wondering how to fall completely in love with the people and things that surround you at home? I've spent the last 15 years studying how and where families thrive and what relational and house characteristics ignite us with that homey feeling. On this podcast, we uncover how our brains process the people we live with and the houses we live in so we can confidently create our homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets. Ready to give up the decision fatigue, comparison hives, overwhelm ulcers, and confusion chaos? You are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Thornock. Welcome to Becoming Home. What is up, homies? I'm so glad that you are here. It is the week after Christmas, and I have watched It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe you've watched this movie too, holiday classic, personal favorite, totally love it. And this year, I have some life coach takes on it that I would like to share with you. Today, I want to talk with you about taking back the actually wonderful life, because in watching this show, I don't think what was demonstrated sounds all that wonderful to me. So let's dive in. So we have Mary which is this sweet girl that grows up in George Bailey's town. George Bailey is the main character of It's a Wonderful Life. And she's twinkly and sparkly, and I love her. I love that she's sassy and confident, and I just like lots of things about her. She's my favorite part of this movie. I also love how the pool is underneath the gym floor. Like, what an architectural genius move to make. Totally love all that part. What I had a hard time with was this obligatory yes answer that was a thread throughout the entire show. I feel like we saw George Bailey when he was a young child who made decisions to love, but he didn't feel bad about them. I feel like when we transition to George Bailey as an adult, he starts making obligatory decisions and he his yeses don't mean yes. They mean I should. And we all know that when we shit ourselves to death, we end up on a bridge, which is what happens in this story of George Bailey. And then the, the, the cute angel, Clarence, takes George Bailey through all of his decisions and how if he wouldn't have made them, life would be so much worse. Like if he wouldn't have done an obligatory yes, life would have turned out much differently for the whole town, right? So in essence, we walk away from it's a wonderful life with this moral of we should all say yes and serve people because then life is good so i'm gonna bust this up because i do not believe that that's true i believe that when we serve out of love that makes life good but when we serve out of obligation we are self-neglecting and that does not contribute to our life goodness or to our overall happiness i want to see the version of it's a wonderful life where The angel shows shows George Bailey all the times that he settled. I want to see the version of how George Bailey is shown the points where he gave up the win-win, thinking that there is not enough in the world to go around for him. I would like to see the version of It's a Wonderful Life where he is radically owning his decisions and how they got him where he ended up and how he has full control to change his future trajectory instead of just repeating the same cycle over and over and over. So there are a few ways to to think about this and to look at this, and let's dive in. The first is this self-ignoring, and that is we need our yeses to mean yes, people. (laughs) 
<laughs> if it's not a win-win, if you don't genuinely want to say yes, and if it doesn't serve you and the other person, and they say yes also in whatever transactions you're making, then it's not a choice that's going to benefit you. Okay, so let's make our yeses mean yes, and let's say no just a little bit more when we actually mean no. If we approach life from a truly abundant place, then we know that our yes does not take away from anybody else's yes, and our no does not take away from anybody else's no. For instance, George Bailey takes over the family bank business after his dad dies because the board will shut down the business if he doesn't. He feels this strong obligation to keep the small business going, to serve people in the ways he knows is important to his father and that he agrees with on a larger political scale. He doesn't want everything to be owned by by the monopolist, Mr. Potter, who's the villain, right? Yes. So what, what if there was a way for George Bailey to preserve free capital (laughs) and enterprise and mom-pa shops, but also to travel the world like he wanted to. That was just never even considered. It was like, either you say yes, or you send the whole community into tyrannical overrule. And when you put it like that, there is no real choice for somebody who loves and wants to do good. But those aren't the only two choices. It was such a myopic view. He wanted to travel the world. What if he could open a travel agency and travel the world and people could see the world and see their opportunities and see all the ways they could serve and give and experience and have wonder and awe and joy in a way that was aligned with him. That's the option I wanted to see. I wanted to see how we could create a win-win. This does not make for great television. I completely understand. So, okay, this would be a boring show, right? If he was like, well, let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's find out how I can show up for me (laughs) and show up for the people that I care about. Um, Another instance is he still wants to travel because he's been self-denying himself travel and education and all of these things to fulfill his obligatory yes to the bank. He decides to marry Mary. And while he is kissing her, he's saying, I don't want to get married. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get married. But he's like kissing her. If somebody was kissing me saying, I don't want this relationship, I would be like, stop kissing me. I don't want to to kiss you if you don't want this. I want you to be fully in. And when this is a win-win for both of us, then let's proceed. Let's go make a family. Let's go change the the decrepit mansion into our home of our dreams like like Mary and George do. But when it's out of obligation, it's a, it's a tricky thing. And of course, like Mary can't control whether George feels obligated. But if George could say, I love you and I want to marry you and I want to go see India, either come with me or I'll be back in a year, whatever, right? Like there's just so much opportunity for a win-win. And then he does plan to do that. Let's get married. We'll go travel together. Then he gives away all of his cash in an emergency for somebody else. He keeps shoving down his dreams to solve somebody else's emergencies. Now let's talk about emergencies. So emergencies are those times when things pop out of out of the blue and people need help. They ask for help. 
just because somebody is panicked is not an adequate reason for us to dispose of our time, energy, and resources. I think that there's room to hold space for this energy of panic or surprise or fear or um, frustration or a need for quick help. But just because help is needed quickly does not mean that there is one option, and that is for us to give of all of our time, energy, and resources immediately to solve the problem. That is not the full scope of options. Of course, that's an option. The other option is to do nothing. But in between the two is a whole rainbow of color that represents so many ways that this could go down. So like George, for instance, people are coming to his bank saying, we're scared. Where's our money? It's all invested in a bigger bank and George doesn't have any money. He just has his honeymoon traveling money. And so he starts handing it out to the people to get him through until the bank is stable enough for them to go to the bigger bank to get all their money. Okay. Instead, he could have said, yeah, let's just shut down the bank. That sounds great. Like that could have been an option. (laughs) He could have seen their emergency and their fear and addressed their fear and held space for it. I totally understand. This is really scary. It's scary for me too. What are we going to do? Let's find a solution. Of course, you can take all of your money and go to the tyrant potter and he'll give you 50 cents on the dollar, but you don't want that. You want all of your money. And I don't want my business to close. Maybe by then he didn't want his business to close. If I were George Bailey, I'd be like, peace out. Darn it. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't want to be here anyway. Anyway, if he didn't want his business to close and they wanted all their money, there is a third option of here's how I can get it to you. Here's how we can help each other. Let's problem solve. It's not going to be fast. It's not going to be easy. He's going to have a couple of people decide to go. But standing your own ground and living your own truth and not giving away all of your honeymoon money, which represents all of your dreams in life and also totally undermines your new wife and your expectations and your promises to her, there are other options. We can't see other options when we're in a myopic view. So when others come to us in emergency, we want to disconnect a tiny bit. Here's what I mean. We want to give a couple of breaths distance, our periphery expanding. We want to be able to see that they are in a high emotion state and they believe that there's an emergency and that they are soliciting help or that we feel compelled to give help. We want to think of three solid options for our helping. Of course, like, okay, (laughs) in my mind, I'm hearing everybody be like, but what about when somebody gets hit by a car and they're bleeding out? You can't think of like three solid options, but I want you to think about that, that it's possible for you to think of a few options of how to go about solving the problem. It will take you five seconds. Your brain is the strongest computer we've ever witnessed. It'll just take you a couple seconds to be like, do I need to call the cops? Do they need to call the cops? Who's getting the ambulance? Where is this? But if we go into panic with the emergency, with the person in the emergency, with the emergency situation, we can't make good decisions. All of our decision-making capacity is literally anatomically shut down. Our frontal lobe is offline. We just go to amygdala animal brain and we can't think straight. So we just do whatever gut reaction is. Instead, what we wanna do is really turn on our frontal lobe and think what's going on here, right? That's the first step to any emergency response 
training is don't panic <laughs> because if you panic, you can't think. So take five seconds and think about all of the options. Think about the extensive option. Like you could buy a Rolls Royce and all of the bandages in the entire world and ship them to the dying person and spend all of your money and all of your energy and you care for them until they die. Like that could be an option that takes all of your resources, all of your energy, all of your time on one hand. The other hand is you could do nothing, walk away and act like nothing happened and ignore everything. Like those are two very ex like extreme options. Then we want to think of three options in between. Like, okay, I can call the police. I can grab this stranger to help me do CPR. I can watch and keep the crowds back. I can't like whatever, like just think of three options in your sense of emergency. And when somebody comes to you with an emergency, a friend, a family member, oh no, this thing happened. Instead of putting your own body into fight or flight, think of the win-win, like how can I serve them? How can I hold space for them in a way that is truly helpful, in a way that I want to be helpful to them, that respects me and also might inspire them as well and be helpful to them. These are the really important hard questions that are not flash boomy, that are not confetti laden, that are not high intensity, that don't get our hearts pumping nearly as much because it's not so like life or death, but they help us make really great win-win decisions. Okay, so win-win make the win-win non-negotiable. This is the first way <laughs> to commit to an actually wonderful life. The second way to commit to an actually wonderful life is to recognize that doing what's right will not feel good. We have this supposition shared by our good friend, George Bailey, that if we are making the right choice, it will feel good and it will go well. So when he feels burnt out and when he feels disappointed and when he encounters difficult obstacles, he acquiesces to what feels good. So this has led him to keep the bank for his father. This has led him to marry Mary. This has led him to not go to school and not to travel. This led him to ignore himself for all of those years. When we think that choosing right feels good, we get confused about doing what's actually right. I am going to argue here today that doing what's right is a calm decision made quietly between you and your God. And then you commit to enacting it no matter what happens. So for instance, hypothetically, if George Bailey decided that traveling the world was what was right for him, it was what he wanted, it was aligned with his values, then when good old Potter comes in threatening to shut down his dad's business and take over the whole banking industry in the town unless he steps in as a leader. George can overcome the hard feelings of letting somebody down, letting his town down to do what's actually right for him. It's going to feel completely awful. <laughs> it's going to feel awful. But you know what else feels awful? Not doing your dreams and not doing what you feel like has been the guidance given by God to you. It's like a Jonah and Nineveh situation, right? Except for we think that if it's God's commandment, we don't, we won't want to do it. It's going to be hard and awful, like how Jonah felt about Nineveh. But what if God's will for us? Sure, there's going to be hard things, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what if God's will for us is to do 
beautiful, magnificent, connective, enriching things, like wonder-filled, connected things. Live a life of abundance. What if that's his will for you? It's going to feel really awful to do those things. There's going to be a lot of choices that you make, like saying no to your Mr. Potters, letting people down, letting people judge you, disengaging from all of the other like pop boom bang things that are trendy or on expectation or familially, whatever, I don't know, like traditional. It's going to feel bad to do something different. Our bodies don't like to do things differently. We have to rebuild a whole network of neurotransmitters to make changes. So when we are making changes in pursuit of our dreams and the goals that we feel aligned with to our bodies, it's going to feel like death (laughs) because it is. It is a death of a way of being. If we were already living the way that we wanted to be living, we would already have the things that we wanted and we wouldn't require change. But because you want something, you want to grow, you want to um, expand into a different version of yourself, it's going to require a death and it's going to feel like it. George Bailey knew, and if if he felt like he was making the right decisions, then when he felt sad or discouraged or forgotten, it would be less of a big deal to his soul health because he would know that that's normal. If he was truly bought into the idea of running a bank, being married and having a family, then and didn't feel like obligated and, and had a win-win about it, right? In this way, then when the hard things come and when it didn't feel good, there would be a thread of resilience that would see him through and keep him off the bridge in the first place. I don't want you I don't want me, I don't want our world (laughs) to get to the point where we're ready to just numb it all out for good because we haven't seen ourselves along the way. I want us to see ourselves and honor ourselves and love with everything we've got. I want us to be honest about our own needs and to see the needs of those around us and love them all. And I want us to give space and abundance to the win-win, to believing in the win-win, to believing in this almighty, all-knowing, omniscient God who controls the universe, who wants good for you and good for everyone else. And your delight and your blessings and your beauty and your abundance does not in any way, shape, or form take away from anybody else's. That there is truly a way to have it all. And that way is through accepting the abundance of God. That to me is the actually wonderful life. And I want to invite you to join me in pursuing it. Now, to that end, (laughs) I want to invite you on a journey with me this next year. And I laugh because I believe so strongly in what I just said about the abundance of God and the abundance of all the things. And I want to invite you to say yes in a way that feels really aligned with you. If this is a no answer for you, that is totally fine. I invite you to say no as well. And this in no way is going to be the solution to all of your problems. But if you are finding yourself struggling with this, if you are finding yourself saying yes to things that you don't want to be saying yes to, 
And every time these traditions come around throughout the year, not just at the holiday season, throughout the year, you're like, why do we do this? This is such a drain. I don't like this. I don't believe in this. I don't want to do it, but you're still doing it. If you find yourself doing that, this is for you. If you find yourself unable to be honest with your own needs because you have ideas that you are selfish or that you are too needy or that somebody else needs things more than you do, this is for you. Because I want to help you live into this truly abundant, truly wonderful life where there is yes answers for everyone and your no takes away from nobody. Here's what we have going on this year. This year, we're going to take my book and we're going to book club it together. So if you have a copy, of Intentional House by Month, the seasonal guide to family connection at home. We are going to take one month at a time. We're gonna meet the first Friday of every month. We're gonna talk through the 10 ideas that are in the book for something that you can do that's a solid yes for you this month. You can say no to as many things as you like. We're just looking for the solid yes. You're gonna commit to a solid yes, a family tradition, a way to connect with your people at home building relationships in a yes, yes, win, win, abundant kind of way each and every month. So you're going to get the book and you're going to get an hour every single month, the first Friday of every month with me on a live call. I will walk you through these 10 options. I will have you choose one and then I will coach you live. We're going to go through this the entire year. You're going to learn so much about yourself. You're going to instill traditions within your soul that actually feel good. My husband comes from a line of like, <laughs> when traditions happen, it just meant a lot of chaos. <laughs> this is because of a lot of reasons, but we wanted for our family, for traditions to feel really good to both of us. <laughs> well, I wanted him to be just as bought into Christmas as I am. If not for the same reasons, then just because we agreed to be, but we want to agree to be bought in together. I want my family environment to be happy and I have control over how I view my family environment. So I'm going to make really great decisions for myself and invite my husband to do the same. I want to invite you to make those same great decisions. That is why this book was born to give you 10 awesome ideas of fun family traditions for ranging from thought changes to full on like meals and activities that you can do throughout each month. So 10 activities each month that you can do with your family. You're going to choose one. And together, we're going to go through all the obstacles that you see, all the things your brain is bringing up as why it's not going to work out, all the ways you're going to be talking to your husband about it and he's not going to be on board or he is and how you're going to manage these emotions and how you want to go through enacting these new traditions and routines. It's going to be all of it. It's going to be amazing. So I want you to join me join me in the book club we're gonna call it intentional house by month book club first friday of every month we will meet for an hour your family is going to grow together and you're going to decrease in stress we're not going to create all the family traditions for you to say yes to because you feel obligated to do it because that's what good moms do it's not what we're about this is completely the opposite so this, if this seems fun to you, go click the link in the show notes. I would love to have you join me. I will send you a physical copy of my book. And then again, we will meet every single month online together. Can't even wait. It's going to be so good. Happy New Year, homies. Have such a great time. Have such a great time reflecting on this past year. 
all of the ways that things went great for you, all the things you'd like to create for the next year, and join me in the creation of Family Connection. Talk to you soon.